WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Yes, it's 11 o'clock, just in case you didn't set your clocks ahead. Jesse, you were in on time this morning? I was here actually relatively early. Wow. It helped that oh. my both my children were sick and up early. Oh, so. well. Sorry Thank God they were six. I got here on time. <laughs> got here on time because uh, you know it is a uh, you you do play a key service in keeping the uh, residents of the South Shore informed with weather and news and stuff. This is true. Yeah, I've uh, yeah. been known to observe the weather thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, there's a lot of things going on. You know, the time change is one, and you know, this is also a good time to change the batteries in your smoke detector. Or any anybody who's involved with. Uh, the uh, firefighting community will tell you this is a great time to do that. And even though a lot of smoke detectors now have 10-year batteries, if you've had that smoke detector for a long time, uh, maybe it's time to replace it and get a new one. If you have one with a conventional 9-volt battery in it, put a new one in it. Uh, best thing you can do. Hey, with us on the phone is my coworker, Diana Guglietta. Diana is the Director of Public Affairs for AAA Northeast, and we have just come out with a new electric vehicle website to take some of the mystery out of buying an electric vehicle. Diana, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. I think this might be a first. It is, John. Thank you. Good morning. And I have to tell you, I checked my clocks about 12 times this morning to make sure I was I was all good. <laughs> Well, I, I figured I figured you know you'd be uh, you know all of yours are connected to the internet, so you wouldn't have to worry about that. But you know, I know I still had to double check though. I was I was a little nervous. Yeah, no so. no need to be no need to be nervous. And um, <laughs> and you know at AAA we have um, we've always been considered the trusted advisor for a lot of things, whether it's whether it's. Uh, uh, insurance or travel. I mean, we always say, you know, there's nothing better than traveling with with somebody who knows what they're doing, dealing with a dealing with a professional travel agent. But when it comes to electric vehicles, there is so much information on out there right now. We wanted to become a source for that, so we have developed okay. a new electric vehicle website. Can you tell us about it? Sure. So you can get to the website at aaa.com/ev. Um, or ev.northeast.aaa.com. Either one. Either one will work and get you there. But, yes, I mean, this website is really AAA's effort to keep the motoring public informed as the automotive industry transforms to EV. And, John, I mean, you have really been such a wealth of information for the last decade on the evolution of electric vehicles. You were really the first to inform me especially but i know the club overall i mean you even oversaw the first uh charging station that we installed many 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 years ago so um yet yeah, now we've got to catch everybody up to speed and you know it's just amazing because you know when i'm out in public talking about electric vehicles there definitely is a lot of enthusiasm among certain folks and then other folks are like nah it's never gonna happen and I mean, obviously, when we look at policy and we look at, you know, the Fed, the federal government's goals, we're moving quickly or the, the goals are pretty aggressive. And, um, you know, when, when I hear people say I'll never buy an electric vehicle, I, I try to, you know, 
tell them? Well, you know, 10 years from now, you might really have to. (laughs) There might not be many other options out there. That is true. It does look like there is a push of electric vehicles, certainly. I think gasoline vehicles are still going to be around, but I think mm-hmm. there, at some point, gasoline vehicles may be as rare as a vehicle with a clutch pedal. You know, you don't see standard right. transmissions very often these days, and maybe in 20 years that may be the case. And and the battery electric vehicles we see now might only be an interim step between here and perhaps hydrogen electric vehicles, hydrogen. Which, yeah. which will which will do which will do similar things and limit the amount of uh, pollution we get. So that's good. Right. But even even the idea that in our website that we've created, we go over some of the charging, and that confuses people. And even some of the terminology, there's you know regular cars, mm-hmm. which are now referred to as ICE cars. There's hybrid cars. There's PHEV, plug-in, uh, plug-in hybrid, hybrid right? electric vehicles, <laughs> and then battery electric vehicles. So it can get a little confusing. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then even the charging, there's level one, level two, level three charging, Tesla right. with, their, with their supercharging stations. And it can get a little confusing. And even to the point of level two charging, it sounds like, okay, I know what that is. That's the same mm-hmm. plug that I plug my electric dryer into. Well, not really, because there's different levels of that. There's the plug that you plug your electric dryer into, but there's also charging stations that run off of 240 volts that can provide a much quicker charging pace as well. And like you said, the reason that some people are thinking about buying electric cars, some of them are doing it because they want to have they they want to protect the do environment their part, they, right yeah they, they do, their, do part. their part to protect the environment yeah other people and i know somebody who did it he said i want to be green and i want to save green by keeping money in my wallet um right. so he he went out and bought a uh, chevrolet bolt which mm-hmm. um is a great little electric vehicle and in massachusetts and rhode island there's some pretty good incentives right now that you can buy one and i think the last time i looked in massachusetts you might be able to buy a, a bolt for Twenty-one or twenty-two thousand dollars, and that's a car that had a retail of about forty thousand. But with the providing right. you were eligible for all the incentives, that was really good, really good. Great and there's and, yeah. and there's and there's other people, and we'll just say like California, that people buy electric vehicles because it's trendy and it's you know it, it <laughs> right. shows they have a hydrogen it, out there, right? Yeah. They, they've yeah. They're a little yeah, bit ahead of the curve. Yeah, and not much of that out there either, which is which is sort of interesting. It, I remember driving a car that um, that had a good uh, factory GPS system in it. I remember looking up nearest hydrogen refueling stations, and mm. I think the nearest one was in Connecticut, and that was a sort of private one, and the nearest one that was open to the public was up in upper state New York somewhere. So we don't have a hydrogen infrastructure yet, but someday we might. Right. And when people talk about hydrogen and they think about, well, what are we going to have a bunch of, um, you know, flammable, you know, Hindenburg's DeLorean driving around, or something, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, but yeah, but more, but more of the idea, like the Hindenburg was filled with hydrogen and it blew up. Is mm-hmm. that going to be the case with all these cars? And I'm like, well, think about your car. You're driving around with twenty, twenty, you know, fifteen, ten, doesn't matter, gallons of very flammable gasoline, and hydrogen is also flammable. So as long as it's exactly. done correctly, it's great. And even when 
there was talk about more compressed natural gas cars, people said, well, I don't want compressed natural gas. I, you know, that could be dangerous. And I'm like, well, what would you think if your gas stove at home actually ran on gasoline rather than gas that comes in off the street? And they're like, no, well, that'd be crazy. And I'm like, well, that's what your car does. So it exactly. depends on depends on how it's done and how it's done safely. And we also have tried to keep track of rebates and incentives for people on our website. But I think yeah. one, of the, one of the keys to our website from some of the things I've seen is taking people through the absolute basics, you know, getting, right. getting, getting them familiar, not, not the real, you know, do you, do you really care, you know, about battery construction and, you know, lithium ion versus lithium this versus you know, that? Some no, people like to geek some, out over that stuff. Some, but, some but people right. do. Some people do. But the majority of people just want to just want to know. They want to know, you know, right. where, where where can I charge up? How can I charge up? What's the equivalent yeah. mileage I'm going to get? What's the range I'm going to get on these vehicles? Because there there is a certain amount of range anxiety with people and range anxiety, a word that no one heard of 20 years ago. Um, True. But, but I always like to say the people that have range anxiety, the people that don't own an electric car, because if mm-hmm. I, bet, I bet if you talk to 20 people today and you ask them how much gasoline was in their car, they would probably say, yeah, somewhere between a quarter and a half a tank. That's what most people drive around with. But people that have electric cars that charge up at home, even if they're charging up at home with a 110-volt outlet, they're pretty much starting every day with a full tank of electrons, if you will. Right, so right. so they're, sta- they're starting the day with a range of anywhere from 150 to 300 miles, depending on their car. So they're not really worried about running out of running out of electricity because they're probably not going to drive that far so and for people and for people who are concerned about that a plug-in hybrid you know might work for them i i answered a question for uh, a new york reader the other day who was considering Mm -hmm. a a plug-in uh hybrid and he said well i only can charge up at 110 volts and i said well the the one you're looking at has a range of about 35 miles you can put that 35 miles back into the car overnight. And he said to me, well, I only drive about 15 or 20 miles a day at that because I just, you know, mostly doing errands. And, you know, a few times a year I go on a long road trip. And I said, you could conceivably never put gas in your car except for the Amazing. time you go on your road test. You know, and so right. people like that, it can work out really well. So right. electric vehicles, you know, I think they're they're here to stay, definitely. They may not be for everyone because there still are people that, might not want them. I think anyone who owns a Tesla right now, and mm-hmm. with the uh, with the availability of Tesla charging stations, you can pretty much do a cross country trip. You just have to do a little bit of planning ahead of time. And just recently, Tesla has opened up their charging network in some areas to non-Tesla vehicles, which exactly, you, which you, which you, yeah, which you need an adapter to do it. You need to set up an account. Um, the kind of the issue is Tesla charging stations aren't, they're designed right around Tesla vehicles. So your particular electric vehicle might have a charging port in the side where the Tesla has it behind the rear taillight. So you sort of back into a Tesla charging station, you might find that you might not be able to charge up quite the same and we've seen some incompatibility with some um charging charging stations and vehicles um hyundai and kia for instance they use a much higher voltage they use an 800 volt battery which doesn't seem to like the tesla charging station but all of this will kind of work its work itself out and we'll have to see where we're going to go and i think um having options and i always 
tell people who are hesitant about electric vehicles or think that, you know, is the government forcing electric vehicles down our throat kind of thing? Um, you know, back in the turn of the last century, you know, in the in, you know, the 1900s, consumers mm-hmm. had a choice of steam cars, gasoline cars, diesel cars and electric cars. And right now they sort of have the same choice. So this is sort of the new golden age point. of the automobile. And, you know, let yeah. people have that choice and see what works best for them. And I think it's really good. So that website address one more time is com slash EV. And like you said, John, yep, very simple. Something for everyone, whether you're just looking to learn a little bit more and peruse and, you know, better understand the different options. It has all that information about where charging stations are located. So similar to, you know, like a triptych that all AAA members are familiar with, you can put in your address where you want to travel to, and it'll actually plan out the route where you can recharge along the way. Really cool feature of the website. And, you know, you can kind of compare and contrast different models, too, in terms of um, cost, upfront cost, maintenance cost even emissions you can kind of compare and contrast to find the vehicle that you like with the lowest emissions for greenhouse gases um, if you are one of those folks that just want to do the right thing for the environment but it is really interesting i mean we have been surveying members and found that about 36 percent plan to buy or lease an ev as their next vehicle but those who already have you know the early adopters we'll call them um 95 percent of them say i would absolutely buy another ev and not go yeah. back to a gas yeah vehicle. yeah it, it really is i mean I, th- I think most people are very happy i've heard numbers as low as you know four to five so maybe a little bit less than that but i think a lot mm-hmm. of people are very happy with their electric vehicles they do everything they need them to do and i think if you have gotten to the point of putting a level two charging uh hookup in your house Again, right. you become you become much more convenient, and, and I I took a little bit of grief for saying this uh, that I think maybe the future is sort of a hybrid garage where maybe you have an electric vehicle plus you have some sort of gasoline vehicle, and that might be the short term yeah. for some people where you know you're gonna the vehicle you're gonna take back and forth to work every day is the electric car, and the vehicle that you're gonna take on family road trips because you want a little bit more room, you want that little bit more security of a gasoline car is your gasoline car and that's not much different than what people do today a lot of people have a smaller more economical car that they drive and then they have a bigger family vehicle that they take on their family trips when they when when they're going somewhere with their uh 2.3 kids and their uh and their their, uh and their 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 irish setter or something yeah exactly so a lot of good information there and people can find it um we put out a lot of news releases in the last couple of weeks, and, they, and they're always interesting. But I think as the time change just happened, uh, there's some there's some concerns about how that little bit of sleep disruption, like you said, you were checking mm-hmm. your clock, you were checking a clock a bunch of times. Um, Super producer Jesse was uh, a little bit out of sorts while his kids were up. But, um, but, you know, it does kind of throw everybody off a little bit, but it does affect your driving, doesn't it? It sure does. I mean, they can directly attribute about 8,000 fatalities every year from drowsy driving in the U.S., but far more injuries, like closer to, you know, 500,000 injuries. But 
there's such a, a marked uptick, we can call it, in crash rates the Monday and Tuesday in particular after we spring ahead for daylight saving time. And it also, I mean, I can honestly say the traffic safety advocates, the health people, we are sick and tired, literally sick and tired of daylight saving time because we can also see an uptick in heart attacks and cardiac issues. Um, there was a study done in 2011 that showed an association mon- the Monday and Tuesday following that spring ahead loss of one hour of sleep. There was a 10% uptick in heart attacks. And then Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Michigan did a study even more significant. They found a 24% increase in heart attacks in the days following and then a 21% decrease in the fall after we gain an hour. Isn't that crazy? It it really is. And I just read a study that was done by some university that said that 66% of the people that were surveyed said, you know, daylight saving time should be permanent. And one of the things in the study, and I always kind of believe the, you know, I guess not the actual facts that, oh, daylight savings time was started because of, um, because of agriculture, the farm, agriculture which is not true, <laughs> yeah. which apparently is not true at all. Um, and then, and then the idea that I guess there's, you know, 30% to say, you know, we should stick with standard time. And then there's uh 15% to say, yeah, le- just leave it alone, switch back and forth. But I, I, I tend to think based on what we know now about what you just pointed out, the health concerns, yeah. the driving injuries and crashes that come up, why don't we take the step and and do it and you know yeah it's going to affect the people that you know like mm-hmm. that certain time of the day but i think most people like the idea of uh, staying a little lighter longer out and being able to enjoy some time after work outside maybe right um, i love being of... able to walk my dog after work you know go for a nice long walk so <laughs> yeah it does it, it does make sense and besides it also being um, the time where we we spring ahead and we need to be careful, and you know we we need to know that that little bit of sleep deprivation to some point is sort of like driving impaired from drinking too much, and right. uh, it does take it does like you pointed out Monday and Tuesday could be could be pretty iffy, but it could take up to two weeks for your body to readjust just from that yeah. one little sleep disruption. So it takes be, so much longer than people yeah. realize. Yeah. No, be careful. In fact, I was uh, I did an interview on Friday with uh, our friend Sherman Whitman, and Sherman mm-hmm. said to me, what he does is he starts to set his clock ahead on Friday. So he oh, kind of he, so he sort of slowly eases into it. Yeah. So he, you know, he goes to bed a little bit, a little bit earlier, and kind of eases into it. And I said that's exactly what people that travel a lot when they're changing time zones, they'll kind of either keep themselves up a little bit later or go to bed a little bit earlier so they don't get jet lag. So similar to that. So absolutely makes sense. And other than we have some predictions of snow coming, especially if you're in the northwest part of Connecticut where there mm-hmm. might be nine inches of snow coming on Tuesday, um, it is almost springtime. We're, we're about, what, 10 days away from spring, which, yeah. which means... Uh, which means the flowers start to pop up, but so don't the potholes, huh? The pothole and the allergies, too. <laughs> so just to close out, by the way, um, that, you know, your, your sleep's messed up, then you're bringing in an antihistamine, which is like, you know, the same ingredients as a sleeping pill. 
oh my goodness, so much there. Up, up, you know, get the caffeine in you. But um, yeah, potholes, ugh, terrible. We actually were just um, putting some data together the other day, um, so members can easily find the the claims numbers and uh, forms that they need for their respective states um, if they happen to, you know, experience some some damage from potholes. But um, yeah, is, it's, you know, fortunately, it's, it hasn't been a really horrible winter. Right. It could be a lot worse out there. Right. And when it comes to, and as much as we're putting together information about how to file a claim and all of that, my mm-hmm. my thoughts on all of that is good luck because most of the time... You, <laughs> Most of the time, you're gonna you're gonna go through your insurance company before you go through. Yeah. I've talked to very few people who have been able to collect on a pothole claim, and it becomes a little confusing because a pothole claim that happens on a town road is different than a pothole claim that happens exactly. on a state road that's different than a highway, and that first pothole that gets reported in Massachusetts, for instance. Well, you hit a pothole, you did some damage to your vehicle, you call up the highway department, say, hey, I hit a pothole, and they're like, yeah, good luck with that. But the second or third person that hits it, once it's been reported, then then maybe you might be able to get somewhere. But I know somebody who waited in the, in the community of Stoughton or Sharon. They, did, they were able to collect on a pothole, but it took four and a half years. Oh, that's miserable! Oh, terrible! <laughs> but at least, yeah, but know, at least just, they ended up somewhere. So, right. I was just going to tell you, John. I I just had to replace two tires on my vehicle, and it's definitely not fun. But tires are something we take very seriously, and thanks to you, you have instilled that in me. Um, I will tell you that I was devastated to realize when I found out I had to replace two tires that I hadn't used the like, AAA's tire and wheel coverage. So something, just a hot tip for everybody to look into. It's right on, it's actually on the EV website. There's a link to this information too. Um, so just another layer of, of coverage for protection. Well, and that makes sense on because I have yet to drive an EV that actually has mm-hmm. a spare tire. They don't have right. spare tires. And if it's an all-wheel drive vehicle, your best if you have to, you know, generally you're going to have to replace at least two tires and then sometimes four, depending on the vehicle, vehicle rent manufacturer's recommendations. So the AAA wheel and tire coverage, which isn't just wheel and tire, it's wheel, tire, key fob, and scratch and, and, and ding removal. So mm-hmm. paint and stamp removal. So for people that have, okay. that, 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 you know, do hit curbs and, you know, I think it's, I think it's about Six hundred bucks or something for most cars, so it's it's a it's a good value. And speaking yeah. of you know car breakdowns and things, uh, it is uh, or it either either it was or it is what National Recall Safety Week or something like that. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I I didn't get I didn't get my Hallmark card so out in time, but uh, it is <laughs> National National Safety Recall Week, and it makes it so easy these days. NHTSA oh, has so an easy. has an has an app. And you just mm-hmm. download the app, you go out to your car, you scan the vehicle identification number, or you put it in manually, and your car is forever recorded in that app, and it will let you know exactly. if your car's car has been recalled. And unlike 20 years ago when you said, oh, you're, you know, 
1990 car got recalled. Well, it might have not been your car. You don't really know. It was a range of vehicles. This is exactly your car, so you know what's going on with it, which is exactly. which is really nice. And it's kind of funny, of the three cars we have in our family right now, um, one of them one of them has an open recall, but there's no repair available yet. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, so they can't they don't know how to fix it, but they know there's an issue. The second one is my Hyundai, which uh, is not a recall, but Hyundai has come out with a new anti theft program to try to keep uh, Hyundai's and Kias from getting stolen, where some a lot of them were. For those mechanical uh, keys. Yeah, 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 and yeah. and those. Depending on depending on how it's done, um, you know, the best thing to do if you own one of those cars and you haven't done it yet is just make sure you lock your car at the end of the day. Sure, someone can break a window, and then they can get in your car, and maybe they can steal it, but chances are they're not going to break a window. They're going to see if your car is open, and if, if they can open it, then they're going to go in and they might try to steal it. So lock your car. All of these cars that don't have... Um, transponder style keys they all do have alarms in them so the alarm's still going to go off which is generally enough to scare somebody off so uh, right, make sure right. make sure make sure you lock your car that that makes the most amount of sense so lock your car yeah, and John, that. you know what i was just going to say just for anybody for your listeners um i can't agree with you more about the app about nitz's app and it's safer car so if you go into your you know, your app store, you're just going to look for safer car app. It's by um, NHTSA. It's uh, yep. and it will push alerts to you on all of those things. So like, like you said, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to keep going into the database and putting your VIN in and looking it up. It'll just push push out no, those alerts. No, no, real, real easy, real easy to use and just keep doing it. And one last thing I want to talk about uh, a couple sure. weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we put out a news release about um, people finding a way to steal your car that has a key fob. So rather than a physical key, it has a key fob. And in that case, it's people that are keeping their key fobs maybe a little too close to their car. And there are people that have found ways to build a booster that sort of amplifies the signal so the two things Mm -hmm. talk to each other. I think most of the time... It hasn't been vehicle theft, but it's been kind of vehicle ransacking and taking valuables out of the car. But vehicle theft is possible and a simple enough way to do it. Just don't don't keep your car, your keys so close to your car. Or if you have a real concern about it, if you've read about it in your neighborhood, you can buy something called a, a Faraday pouch, which is basically a kind of a. An aluminum foil pouch you can keep your key fob in, and that way it won't be able to talk to the vehicle, right? Right, just to intercept that signal. And, you know, doing the research for that press release, John, I'll tell you, I used to keep our key fobs in our mudroom toward the front of the house, right next to our garage or driveway. And I moved that little basket, and so I no longer keep the key fobs in that location. But, um, yeah, I just think people don't realize that that signal is continuously generated, and they're just intercepting that signal. Between, I, I mean, I, I think most people think, oh, I have to press down on my key fob to activate it. But, you know, it's, it's like a radio transmission. So. It, it, it is, and I have an engineer friend who for about $25 and a few hours labor actually built the device and uh he and he actually um drove away with uh, um a a car he was um 
going to try driving away with the uh, president of AAA's car, but figured that might not go over that well. But but uh, he actually did drive away with a with a uh, with a AAA car down in Florida, and uh, it was it was fairly simple, so easy enough to do. One one thing, you know, you might think, well, I'll just put my keys in a metal box or something. The one metal box you don't want to put your key fob in is in the refrigerator, even though it will block. Even though it will block the uh, radio transmission uh, just like leaving your cell phone in your car overnight which we never recommend doing because it's another thing to get you that can get stolen out of your car but just as if you've ever done that you know that your fully charged battery becomes a not so fully charged battery same thing can happen to your key fob if you leave it in very cold weather it can discharge a little battery that's inside there so um, if you do have a concern you know put it in a metal box somewhere uh, right. if you, and like you said, move it, move it away, put your, put your key rack or your key bin or whatever you use a little bit further away from your driveway. And, uh, you're going to be, you hopefully your car yeah, is safer because sense of it, you know? little things, but you know, right. people just don't realize how easy it can be, unfortunately. And for people, all the tips we all learn from you, John. Well, uh, there we go. Well, uh, some of them, <laughs> so, you know, keep, keep in mind, you get what you pay for, you know, so, uh, <laughs> But uh, but Diana, I want to thank you for joining us and, and informing us about all the different stuff that's available on AAA.com and the AAA EV website. And people can find all the news releases and and you know they our news releases on our newsroom all, on, on news mm-hmm. exactly. So all kinds of places people can find out information. So uh, AAA.com is a good place to start. And I want to thank you for Definitely. taking a little time out of your sat out of your Sunday and hopefully that hour sleep don't don't go out driving today no i know and john i want to thank you and your listeners because so much of what we all learn comes from the listeners comes from our AAA members and your listeners writing in and asking great questions and i but by the way i just want to say i love that you have kind of a running q a on the ev website also so as people have more questions about electric vehicles they can you know they can visit aaa.com slash ev but there's also going to be a whole q a section from john and and some of our other experts um every week that that'll continuously you know get updated so thanks to all the members and listeners that ask you great questions yeah, and uh, speaking, and, and we're going to do something a little di- different coming up. We're going to be, um, we're going to do a little bit of trivia, and we're going to give away a AAA mm-hmm. membership to somebody who hasn't, who is not a AAA member. But our question is going to be, and you just ponder this on your own, but don't give us the answer. Okay. Uh, okay. The old, the old timey actress Hedy Lamarr. Uh, okay. She was she was uh, very influential in the automotive industry. And I want people to tell me why. I want people to tell me why. And she was actually ponder this. Yeah, she was actually inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame. How cool is that? Okay, I'm going to ponder, and then I'm going to send you a text message, and you can tell me if I'm right. All right, all right. And the other thing we're the other the other the other thing we're going to do is we're going to review the uh, pretty awesome Lincoln Navigator. And also, I I received every week I received a whole bunch of email questions, and this time. I'm going to go over some of the questions that the new chatbot answered rather oh. than me. So I'm going to see. I'm oh. going to see how. I'm going to go. I'm going to see how smart AI is, and see You're if it's check for accuracy and, and see I if it's that. see if it's smarter than me. So we have all that coming up in the next thirty minutes. Diana, thank you so much for taking some time out of your Sunday, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. 
we need to take a break and pay some bills. When we come back, well, maybe if you know the answer why Hedy Lamar was in, inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame, and you can win a AAA membership, but you can't be a AAA member. You have to be somebody who is not a AAA member because this is a this is a new member promotion kind of thing. And what will what will happen? We'll take you down your name, address, phone number, and email, and I'll email you a secret code where you call our membership department. And you get a free AAA membership. Until then, why don't we take a break, pay some bills? My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program, and you're listening on ninety five nine WATD. We'll be right back. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in, 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com join. It's Ram Truck Month right now at Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory of brand new Ram trucks, great customer service, and Quirk's Chrysler Certified Service Department. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Quirk works to save you money. Works for you. Visit Ram.com. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program. This week's test drive is in the Lincoln Navigator, but not just any Navigator, the Navigator Black Label Edition. Navigator Black Label Edition is a luxurious full-size SUV that offers an impressive combination of comfort, performance, and style. The vehicle, according to Lincoln, is designed to provide an exceptional driving experience and delivers on that promise, providing you keep in mind this is still a big SUV and not a sports car. For a big, boxy vehicle, somehow the Navigator Black Label has a sleek and certainly sophisticated look. Our road test vehicle is finished in a stunning white with 22-inch 22 22-inch 22 black wheels. The combination... Uh, plus a huge chrome grille, body character lines gives the Navigator a powerful and commanding presence on the road or parked at a valet station, for that matter. Not that I go to any place where there's a valet, but I would think it would be. The interior is equally impressive with spacious seating for up to eight passengers. Our tester had four captain's chairs, which reduced the seating to seven. The ride could be adjusted from comfortable to sportier, and since our Navigator was all-wheel drive, there were settings for snow and sand, although I can't imagine taking a luxury vehicle like this off-road. The engine of the Navigator Black Label was also very impressive. You might think a big V8 is needed to move a 6,000-pound vehicle, but that's not the case. The Navigator is powered by a powerful 3.5-liter V6 engine, which delivers an impressive 450 horsepower. 450 horsepower out of a V6 engine. I was talking to our buddy Junior D'Amato, who runs Junior's Automotive down in Middleborough, and we were talking about uh, he just he just bought a uh, Jeep Trackhawk, which is the... Um, which is the uh, uh, Hellcat-powered Jeep, and uh, he's he's going to do a little bit of work to it. And he said, you know, it's 800 horsepower now, or almost 800 horsepower. The idea that 
800 horsepower is ridiculous. 450 horsepower is was unheard of 25 years ago. Uh, the engine is paired to a 10-speed automatic transmission, which provides smooth and seamless shifting, making it easier to accelerate and pass on the highway. Now, fuel economy, not a high point, should you care about such a thing with a luxury SUV. The EPA shows fuel economy is 16 city, 22 miles per gallon on the highway. I average about 17 miles overall. Not great. The Navigator has a range of about 450 miles, so you're not stopping for gas very often. The Navigator Black Label also comes equipped with Lincoln's advanced suite of driver assistance technology, which includes adaptive cruise control, lane departure warning, blind spot warning, uh, forward collision warning, and automatic emergency braking. The interior of the Navigator Black Label is a true masterpiece of design and comfort. The seats are upholstered in a premium leather and feature heating, cooling, and massage functions making it uh, easy to stay comfortable no matter how you drive. The seats are infinitely adjustable. I don't know how many adjustments there are. It's got to be 20-some-odd adjustments on the car. So many that it actually, my wife found it annoying. She's like, there's too many adjustments. There's too many adjustments. You know, it would be nice if there was just three or four, but there's uh, each part of the lower seat cushion, right and left side, uh, kind of expand independently from each other. So if you like a little more support under your gas pedal leg than you do under your other leg, it can do that. So uh, pretty interesting the way the seats work. Uh, the dash is also loaded with high-tech features, including a large touchscreen infotainment system, a digital instrument cluster, and premium audio system with displays front and rear. So yeah, if you have people in the back, they got their own display. They have their own little thing that looks like a... Um, a fire stick uh, remote control so they can scroll whatever they need to do. All kinds of stuff in this. Overall, the Lincoln Navigator Black Label is top-of-the-line luxury SUV that offers exceptional performance, comfort, and style. If you're in the market for a high-end vehicle that can provide truly comfortable, not even comfortable, a very comfortable driving experience, this SUV is definitely worth a closer look. So take a look at the Lincoln Navigator Black Label Edition. Uh, it is uh, it is quite the vehicle. Let's see, Diana just texted me and she said, am I correct? Well, I don't think so, Diana, but we'll let you, we'll let you know afterwards. So the question is... Um, of the women in history that became famous for their inventions, Hedy Lamarr may be one of the most recognizable, but most people probably don't know, uh, or most people probably know her as, and I'm taking this, I'm stealing this from Car Driver, by the way, so thanks to Cliff Atia, maybe. Um, but most people don't know her as one of the biggest movie stars of the 30s and 40s, not because of her work, but because she made... Help make something else possible. And it's something we use in vehicles today all the time. So what is it? If you know the answer, and if you would like, if you know the answer, and you can let Google do it for you, uh, what was Hedy Lamarr known for that was in the automotive industry, a car-related invention? Uh, what was it? If you know the answer to that, give us a call at 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900, and we will give you a special code so you can get a, uh, a AAA membership. How's that? So pretty good. So, um, and I said we'd, we'd have a little fun with uh, the chatbot thing. And I got to tell you, chat, for if you haven't looked at chatbot, and it's... Uh, 
Jesse, you did a you did a whole podcast uh, having the chatbot uh, write ghost stories, right? I did. Yeah, and scary how good it was, wasn't it? It was scary because it's like it's it's a robot just creating a, a story. So I wanted it to create like a conversation between like a person and a demon. And then yep. the, the more I read this conversation, which came out like really chilling, I was like, this is actually more scary than if I asked a human to do it because it's just coming out of the air. I don't yep. know. No, it really, yeah, it really it, is. Uh, it's, it's, it's scary and it's smart too. So uh, We uh, do have a caller on the line for the contest. Okay, I'm just going to do one chatbot question and then we'll get to the caller. Um, somebody wrote to me and says, I have a 1968 Chevrolet Corvette and I'm looking for a shop to work on it. Any suggestions? And my answer was... Uh, if I had if I had this car, I would join a Facebook page and forums dedicated to Corvettes, see what others are doing. Also chat with local Corvette clubs and owners at weekly cruise nights or cars and coffee events. You can get a lot of information by asking enthusiasts uh, about their vehicle. If it's just general repairs needed, uh, you could go to a good independent repair shop. Uh, AAA has them, AAA repair shop, and you can find a shop near you by going to AAA.com slash repair. The chatbot answer is almost the same ask for recommendations from other classic car owners in your area they may have experience with local shops and they can give you a good idea which ones are reliable and skilled in working on vintage cars look for shops that specialize in classic cars shops that focus on classic cars are more likely to have the knowledge and expertise needed to work on your 1968 corvette and it was even specific to what it was check online reviews of auto shops in your area reading reviews from previous customers and give you an idea of the quality of work a shop provides contact car clubs and enthusiast groups that was uh shockingly close to your answer and that it makes me it, it, it really was that it only really drives me further towards the belief that i'm pretty sure you're a robot that could well yeah. that's a possibility that's a possibility <laughs> so who are we talking to i couldn't catch his name but uh oh. he's on the line and he wants to give it a shot and we'll see how he does let's see let's see see what he uh, hi who's this hey doug barge how you doing Good. How are you? So, what was Hedy Lamar? What was Hedy Lamar known for, besides being an actress? Um, I seen a special not long ago. She's quite an innovator, and I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, radio frequency hopping from like uh, kind of like Wi-Fi. She was. Oh. She's she she is um, known as the mother of Wi-Fi. You know, hard to believe way back then, and also. Yeah the inventor of Bluetooth or a version of Bluetooth, which, you know, nearly every car is using these days. So uh, you are, you're exactly right. You are, you, that, that is it. It is, um, you know, here, the answer, according to Karen, Karen Driver is best remembered for her acting career. Lamar is known for in invention circles as the mother of Wi-Fi. Her frequency hopping technology patent in 1941 paved the way for Bluetooth and GPS. In 1997, the Electronic Frontier Foundation hailed Lamar's invention as a key component in wireless data systems, and her patent concept of frequency hopping is now the foundation of wireless networking systems and cell phones, and she was inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame in 2014. So you are absolutely right. So uh, we'll put you back on hold. Jesse, you'll get your name, address, and phone number, and email, and we'll send you out a special code so you can become a AAA member. Hey, thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, yeah. Jesse, we'll take care of that, and uh, I will go back to how smart Chatbot is. Uh, whoever that caller was, uh, just give us a call back. The phone line dropped out. Oh, okay. 
All right, so if, uh, well, you heard heard what Jesse just said. Call us right back so we can get your information down and uh, we can can go back. So I own a 2010 Toyota RAV4 with 106,000 miles on it. The garage changes the oil with synthetic oil every six months. Is this overkill? I'm newly retired and barely driving 200 miles per month, if that much. So my answer was, in theory, you can't change oil too often. And what is nice about six-month oil changes is the other aspects of the car are inspected at the same time. Toyota recommends the oil change is done annually or every 10,000 miles, whichever comes first. So, yes, you can change the oil in your RAV4 once per year, but still open the hood and periodically check the vital fluids as well as tire condition and tire pressure. So as you know, when talking with Diana, we pointed out that um, tires are very important. Tire pressure is very important. Fuel economy is, is influenced by tires. Okay. The chat bot says, changing the oil in your 2010 Toyota RAV4 every six months with synthetic oil is likely overkill, given the low mileage you're driving. Synthetic oil is designed to last longer than conventional oil. Not true, actually. Uh, although it sounds like it is, and in fact, maybe it is, but the reality of it is you can't tell because you don't analyze the oil. So uh, so even though it says synthetic oil is designed to last longer than conventional oil, no, it minimizes wear better than conventional oil. It may not last any longer than conventional oil. Uh, many manufacturers recommend changing every 7,500 to 10,000 miles or every six months to a year. Sort of true, not always true. Since you're only driving, and this is how good it is. It's a, you know, it actually looked at the individual question. Since you're only driving about 200 miles per month, you may be able to extend the oil change interval to once a year, assuming that you're not doing a lot of stop-and-go driving, towing, or other activities to put extra stress on the engine. What Chatbot didn't realize is that the vehicle manufacturer in for 2010, in this engine, in this Toyota Camry, they are perfectly fine with the idea of doing an oil change once a year. So, uh, the idea that you may be able to extend, they're basing it on the fact that synthetic oil lasts longer, which is, not, again, not necessarily true, but it's pretty close. So, uh, and then it goes on to say, that it's always a good idea to follow the manufacturer recommendation maintenance schedule where you can find uh, in your owner's manual or by contracting the dealership or Toyota customer service. They may have a specific recommendation based on age and condition of your vehicle. Whew, this is scary. This is scary. Okay, we'll do one more and then we'll take another break. I have a 2019 Acura MDX with 23,000 miles. I brought it to the dealer for A1 service, which um, Honda, Acura, and many others use this uh, indicator-based service recommendation now. So instead of going to the owner's manual and saying, this needs to be done at 5,000, this needs to be done at 10,000, the computer in the car sort of figures out when stuff needs to be done, which I guess is another form of artificial intelligence that we don't haven't figured out yet. But anyway, so... Um, when they were there at the service for their oil change filter and tire rotation, they recommended a rear differential service or rear differential fluid service. They declined the service. Does this seem premature at 23,000 miles? 
And my answer was, Acura, like many vehicles today, uses an indicator-based maintenance reminders rather than maintenance based on just time and mileage. Service A1 is an oil change and tire check. Differential fluid replacement is maintenance in sub-item 6. Depending on how the vehicle is driven, that could be at 30,000 miles or as high as 90,000 miles. My suggestion is just to follow the maintenance reminder, and when sub-item 6 comes up, then it's time to do that. In that also group, I think sub-items sub, uh, 5 is the timing belt replacement. So if there's some idea that as the numbers go up, things take longer, that could be 100,000 miles from now. So doing it 23,000 miles sounds like the dealer was just trying to maybe make a little bit of extra money. So, chatbot says, it's possible that the recommendation for rear differential fluid service at 23,000 miles for your 2019 Acura MDX may be premature. However, it's possible there are specific conditions or factors that make this service necessary. Here are a few things to consider. The manufacturer's recommendation maintenance schedule. Well, it doesn't really have one. Check the owner's manual or contact the dealership to see if rear differential fluid is listed as a recommended service at this mileage. Well, sometimes what happens is some dealerships and not all of them, but some dealerships have their own recommendations that are completely sort of out of sync with the manufacturers. And their theory might be that, hey, we know the vehicle is better than the manufacturer because we know the vehicle regionally versus kind of a global look at the vehicle. Could make some sense. Um, the manufacturer recommendation are based on extensive testing and designed to keep your vehicle running smoothly. Driving conditions. If you drive the vehicle in extreme temperatures, dusty, sandy environments, or tow-heavy loads, this can cause the rear differential fluid to break down more quickly and require more frequent changes. Warranty. If your vehicle is still under warranty, the dealership may be recommending the service to ensure that your vehicle is properly maintained and avoid any potential warranty issues down the line. Ultimately, the decision to decline the service is up to you. However, it's worth considering the potential benefits of the service, whether it may be worthwhile in the long run to protect your investment in the vehicle. If you have further concerns, it's a good idea to consult a trusted mechanic or contact Acura Customer Service for more information. So let's break this down a little bit. The manufacturer recomm recommendations are based on extensive testing. Yes. Um, if your vehicle is towing a trailer, yes. Reason to think about it. Um, warranty. If your vehicle is still under warranty, the dealer may be recommending the service to ensure the vehicle is properly maintained. That's wrong. If it is required, then you need to do it based on the warranty. If that service interval six did not come up there is no reason to think that if that rear differential so the thing that makes the rear wheels turn blows up at the last minute and they said well you never did the rear differential service i'm sorry that service subservice six never came up to tell me that so there is no reason that they can deny a warranty issue because you didn't do that service so don't let that factor in there so can you do it? It's like oil changes. Is it going to hurt? No. Is it necessary? Mm, not in this case. Not according to me and not according to accuracy. So, but maybe according to chatbot. Why don't we take another break? Uh, my name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to chat with us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. And you'll uh, but will you be chatting with me or the robot? Only up to Jesse to figure that out. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back.
In today's competitive hiring environment, job seekers demand stability, a competitive salary and benefits, work-life balance, and a path to early retirement. It's the perfect time to join the team as a correction officer and take advantage of their accelerated hiring process. Begin a career that's challenging yet rewarding and make a positive difference by providing custody, care, and support programs. Salary for correction officers start at $62,000. Include health insurance and paid leave. Apply today at mass.gov slash doc dash recruitment. Paid for by the Massachusetts Department of Correction. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in, 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com join. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. And I think we have Doug back on the phone that has a question, too. Doug, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. I, okay, I, I put a new motor in my 68 Mustang, and uh, I got it all times. And when I start it up and run it and shut it off, it doesn't want to start. I just get a gar, you know. And I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I figured I'd ask you and see what you thought. Now, is it cranking over at normal speed? No, no. It's uh, when I first go out there and it's cold, it starts right up. Yeah. But, um, after it heats up, and I'm thinking it's maybe the starter or the Bendix, and the starter is expanding. Yeah, it's it sounds it sounds like there might be a little incompatibility in the starter, and that might be it. That when it's hot, but also a couple things to look at. You said you had it timed correctly. You want to make sure that um, did you replace the distributor when you did it, or re- rebuild the distributor or anything? Yeah, I put a new one in there. Yeah, okay, so that should solve that. Um, the other thing is that. Um, I would just, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, some of those Fords in that vintage, the va- does this still have a um, does this still have a vacuum advance on the distributor, vacuum line that goes to the distributor? It does now. The last one I had an Axel distributor in there, and I ended up putting a uh, vacuum advance in there. Yeah, so one of the things you want to find out is whether there should be vacuum near it and idle or not. Some of them were just backwards. A lot of them had vacuum at an idle. Some of them only had, some of them didn't. So you might find out that it's actually kind of advancing the idle, um, advancing the timing when it's cranking over rather than not. So um, just for fun next time, uh, pull the pull the vacuum once it gets nice and hot. Pull the vacuum line off the distributor and see if it cranks over any different. Okay. And if it does, it, you, you may find out that that should be not on the. It should be just on a different uh, vacuum port. So one that doesn't have vacuum at an idle or does have vacuum at an idle, depending on what it is. So you may find out that that is part of the issue. But I st- I tend to s- think the same thing. I think. Uh, you're probably just going to need a starter, and, and you know, chances are there's some some little compatibility issue with the starter and and that engine block. And uh, you know, uh, the, unfortunately, the Ford starters you can't shim them. 
Uh, where if it was like a GM small block, you can actually shim the starter. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think the way that starter fits in, it's either it's either in or it isn't. So there's no shimming in there that you can do. Right. So you think it's a vacuum? It could be the vacuum advance. I need. Yeah. Yeah. Only because um, a little bit newer Fords that actually had the electronic control module. You know, they still were pretty basic, but they had an electronic control module. Every once in a while, you see those that the engine would crank over really slow, and it was because the module was actually advancing the timing as it was cranking over, where, you know, if you were to look at this, you just want to make sure that the timing's not being advanced during cranking, uh, because that, you know, that advanced timing can cause it to start hard. Same thing, if you went over there and, and loosened up the distributor, and um, you look at the distributor in the vacuum advance, so if you Look the way the distributor was vacuum advance was mounted. If you kind of move that distributor in a clockwise direction, it's going to you know pulling the pulling it on the side of the vacuum advance is going to advance timing. Pushing it back, it's going to retard the timing a little bit. So if you were uh, you know if you just back the timing off a couple of degrees to see see how it starts, you you could you could kind of assume it's timing related. So you yeah. can play around with it a little bit, see what it is. You might you might find that even though you have it timed right. Maybe there's just a, you know, maybe that distributor is just causing a little bit of weird timing issues with it, and that could be yeah. it. Okay. 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 Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Good luck, and we'll get you. We'll get that AAA membership out to you. Thank you. Bye. All right. All right. Take care. Well, I don't know if we have quite enough time left for a chatbot answer here. Um, but this, I, I recently was chatting with the owner of a Cadillac Escalade and asked uh, how much it costs. He was shocked. He said over 115000 What does someone need a car that expensive for, and are they worth it? And I mentioned I drove the Lincoln Navigator Black Label, a beautiful vehicle, roads great infotainment system display was much better than anything in my house and the vehicle was also priced well over a hundred thousand dollars the same people who buy luxury vehicles the same people who buy a rolex when a timex would probably work um are these cars worth it the owners say yes as an investment probably no most cars lose value but it's been reported that most luxury cars can lose 40 to 50 percent of their value in the first five years of ownership chatbot says the cost of a car like Cadillac Escalade is luxury due to luxury features and high-end materials. I'll wrap it up here. It says, for others, the cost may be too high and prefer to spend money on other things. Ultimately, the value of a luxury car like the Escalade is subjective and dependent on your individual preferences and circumstances. Eh, I like my answer better. Well, that music means we need to go. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.